Hey, this is Jason from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron, located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky. 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettlebell classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606-310-4918. Hello everyone, you're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Jason Creekmore and Shannon Deaton. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we are going to explore the science of sleep. Across from me is Shannon Deaton. And Shannon, according to your family, you like to, quote, rest your eyes, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> is that true, Shannon? Do you, do you rest your eyes? Jason, sometimes that's all I get to do. I'm the father of three daughters, <laughs> so rest my eyes. Yeah, that pretty accurately sums up what sleep is to me now. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you a big napper? I, I am. I, I kind of go through seasons where I want to nap a lot, but I've tried to cut that out here lately. Um, although I, I feel like we're in a season where it's about to come back a little <laughs> bit. I, I think I might need to start napping again. I think I'm, I'm not a big napper personally, uh, but I think there's like really two different types of naps. There's like the 15 to 20 minute like refreshing nap. That's like the sweet spot of naps. Yeah, yeah. definitely for me. And But then there's also this like what I like to call JV sleep. <laughs> which is like a 45 minute to 60 minute right. uh, nap. And so to me, that's that's a little bit more than a nap. I guess we'll call it a nap, but uh, we're going to talk about sleep cycles here just in a second. So so yeah. when you when you talk about naps, are you more in the 15 to 20 minute-ish or are you more in the like almost an hour? I usually aim for the 15 to 20 minutes. And then from there, my body kind of dictates how much of a coma <laughs> I'm actually going right. to go into. I'll have to tell you, though, if I go into like the longer 45, 60 minute naps, man, I feel terrible. I wake up, I'm groggy. I just I just don't feel good. It's because, Shannon, that you've not completed the sleep cycle. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so Jason, what can you tell us I about can sleep tell cycles? You, I can tell you quite a bit <laughs> about sleep cycles, more than I could tell you yesterday oh, wow. about sleep cycles. <laughs> so each night, everyone experiences several complete sleep cycles. Basically, sleep is uh, divided into two separate categories. So we have what's called NREM, or non-rapid eye movement. Right. And then, of course, we have REM, which is a great band to begin with. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> let's get back to the sleep. That's right. But we have REM, which stands for rapid eye movement. It takes both types of sleep to complete one cycle. So first comes the NREM stages, of which there are several. Uh, first, we have stage one and stage two, also referred to as light sleep. During these stages, your muscles relax uh, and, and your heart rate and breathing slow. It's also during this time that your muscles might slightly jerk. Have you ever experienced that? Because it's always sort of semi-embarrassing, like when you're sort of half in, half out, and yeah. then all of a sudden your arm just massively jerks, and then you sort of look around like, what was that, right? I'll do that when I'm laying in bed and trying to go to sleep like for real at the end of a long day. <laughs> and man, I'll be just kind of easing into it. I have a good dream getting ready to start up. I can feel it coming on. And all of a sudden, just like, my back will arc and I'll just jerk and kick and just, I don't know. And, and like, it just, it scares my wife to death. Yeah, it's like, what, what's going on, right? <laughs> what, what was that? Well, next time just say, I'm just actually shutting down stage two. 
<laughs> of the NREM cycle. That'll go over well. I'm sure it will. So, so next we uh, move on to stages three and four, which are referred to as deep sleep. During these stages, your body rejuvenates itself with increased blood flow to the muscles. Uh, this is the time that cell repair occurs, along with tissue growth, as well as a pruning of the brain in regard to memory. So this is why it's really important to not just have these short naps that, you know, for like 10 or 15, 20 minutes, those type of things that you really have to have extended sleep because it's only during like stages three and four after you've been asleep for a little while Mm. that the brain is doing what it has to do to basically remain healthy and make those uh, connections and and all your dendrites are, you know, and the synapses are firing and all that good stuff that's happening in your brain. All that occurs during stages three and four. So I, I need to get to that stage. That's what you're saying. That's that's what we're aiming for. That right, yeah. That's okay. like you're really, really good in asleep. Okay. And then finally we move to REM sleep. During this time, respiration and heart rate increase, brain activity increases, and this is the state in which dreams occur. Uh, one interesting point uh, to uh, mention is that a complete sleep cycle, so both all the stages within uh, the NREM and then the REM sleep, all of that together takes about 90 minutes. So you move through all those stages within within roughly about a 90-minute cycle. So during the course of a normal night's sleep, you're going to go through about four to five cycles, four to five complete sleep cycles. Oh, okay. So when you have young children who tend to wake you up you're you're probably looking at more like what two to two two sleep cycles maybe <laughs> maybe maybe one sleep cycle uh, every fortnight okay fortnight gotcha <laughs> i'm looking forward to that that's coming up soon right. <laughs> so jason along that line have you ever had a nightmare or known someone who's had a nightmare before i had an uh just an absolute horrible nightmare about a month ago Oh, really? And, oh, yeah. I mean, I woke up and it was one of those where, like, it was so awful. I mean, you know, the blood, yep, I'm sure it's on my hands. You know, I woke up, I was, like, just terrified. Just in a daze. Yeah. And then I, yeah. I mean, it was awful because I, you know, my heart was racing. And then I looked over and I saw my golden doodle there. So I'm like, oh, and never mind. Cody's here. It's <laughs> it all bad. Be too bad. There, there's the dog. <laughs> right. And you were there. And right. you were there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. But yeah, everyone has experienced a nightmare. And for clarity, nightmares are vividly realistic, disturbing dreams that usually wake you up from a deep sleep usually in those later stages three and four yeah Uh, and i've had a lot of the more common nightmares uh, not all of them but some uh, which include being chased falling uh, your teeth falling out being in public and and having to speak uh, and you know not remembering what you're supposed to say drowning missing an important event or being late to something or just general injury I have to say the strangest one to me, it, it doesn't surprise me that falling is a common nightmare. That's one that I've woken up from. Right. Usually when I was younger, like a kid, yeah. nightmares tend to be more typical of uh, young kids and adolescents. But the, the one that kind of surprises me is the teeth falling out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have you had that? No, I'm going to be honest. I almost kind of chuckled when you said that. I've, <laughs> I've never had a nightmare. I've just uh, been talking and my teeth fall out like, chick- <laughs> like chiclets or something. I've never had that. <laughs> this is so strange. I've had this one. Are you kidding? No, it, it happened. And I, I, I can't give you like a specific dream or what was even going on, but whatever it was wasn't necessarily even like related to the, the events of the dream. 
it's like I'm just there and, you know, all of a sudden just like one tooth will fill a little loose and I'll kind of reach up there and I can just pluck it out. And then you can pull out another one. I know that sounds terrifying. Oh my goodness. And and in the dream it is because unless you're lucid dreaming, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later, and you you feel as if this is what's really that's happening, really happening, you know. This this is real life, but that's a scary nightmare to have it and not one that I would think is is common, but apparently it, it's wow. it was listed as one of the most common nightmares. Yeah. Definitely strange, yeah. So what are the symptoms of nightmares? Uh, they can be repeated occurrences of extended, extremely dysphoric, and well-remembered dreams that usually involve efforts to avoid threats to survival, security, or physical integrity, and that generally occur uh, during the second half of the major sleep episode, which is what we were talking about. And <clears throat> one thing I found interesting is researchers have often asked, as have a lot of people, why do we need to have nightmares? From a biological perspective, why is that something that people do? Right. You would think over time we would have developed out of that somewhat, but it's it's something that everyone sort of innately is born with. Everyone has mm-hmm. nightmares. My my three year old daughter had one just a few nights ago. And it's nothing that you have to be taught. It's nothing that is learned behavior. But it just occurs, and, and it occurs for everyone. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I've never really thought about it that way. Like, why do we have to have yeah. nightmares? Like, I mean, why does that exist, especially, like, for a young child yeah. that hasn't really seen certain things or, you know, like, right. disturbing things? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. So one theory that's been put forth is it's our brain learning to practice surviving different threatening situations. So like getting away from something that's scary or terrifying might be the equivalent of, you know, jumping out of the way of a speeding car or just sort of it's a practice session for our alertness and our ability to respond to threatening situations. So that's one theory wow, that's, that's been put forth. That's pretty cool. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, on waking from these dysphoric dreams, the individual usually rapidly becomes oriented. That's one of the chief characteristics of a nightmare is when you wake up from it, usually you're very alert and you know what's going on. It's not like this grogginess feeling. Right. You don't slowly awake from a nightmare and, you know, try to figure out what's going on. Usually you wake up in a snap, you realize it was a nightmare, but that sense of dread kind of really sticks with you still yeah. your heart's racing. So nightmares are typically more frequent among children and adolescents with less frequency in adults, although it does occur. Half of adults experience nightmares on occasion, and women experience them more often than do men, according to the research. Hmm. What causes nightmares? Uh, Nightmares in adults are often spontaneous. So in other words, there's not a huge explanation for exactly why they occur. But researchers have found a few triggers that may contribute to an increased likelihood of nightmares and i've done all of this late night snacking you ever had a late night snack (laughs) i'm gonna have one tonight (laughs) (laughs) don't make it pizza is it gonna be pizza (laughs) no it's gonna be a a good old-fashioned peanut butter sandwich with some grippos okay well i wish you the best of luck with that (laughs) but yeah it seems like pizza and sort of greasier foods tend to lead to uh, a higher state of uh, or potential for having nightmares and the reason for this is because food can increase your metabolism and when it does that it signals the brain to be more active so your brain is a little bit more alert while you're in a dream state and that can lead to nightmares also other triggers for nightmares include withdrawal from certain medications certain substances uh, also sleep deprivation which we're going to talk about in a bit Uh, anxiety stress and depression also can lead to nightmares and i found that to be true if i'm a little bit more stressed than i've been i'm more likely to have a nightmare so yeah I, i can agree with that now there is a subtle difference between what we call nightmares and night 
terrors. Have you ever heard of night terrors? Uh, I have. So they're a little bit different. Nightmares occur during REM sleep, usually late at night, as you mentioned. Night terrors, on the other hand, occur during non-REM sleep, usually in the earlier parts of the night. Nightmares are vividly recalled, but night terrors are more difficult to remember. Night terrors may lead to the person shouting, sleepwalking, or being scared for several minutes before relaxing back into sleep. So have you ever had one of these experiences where you woke up and you were shouting or yelling or or did you take a lap or run or go to the refrigerator? Has that ever happened to you before? Not that I can recall. Uh, I do remember actually several times where like I'm dreaming something, right? Something kind of you know, nightmarish, you know, something right. kind of unpleasant, whatever it is. And I, I remember that I, I've, I've woken up and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm in my room. Okay. That was a nightmare. But then I, it's at least, it seems like I, I can recall, you know, kind of putting my head back down and then kind of re-engaging the same dream, like well, kind of going, yeah. kind of going back into the dream. So I don't know maybe if I'm dreaming that I woke up or maybe I, I, I did wake, you know, uh, wake up. I'm not quite sure, but that's happened to me several times where like I, I have this bad dream and I wake up momentarily and I'm like, I'm glad that's over, you know, and kind of right. I shake the cobwebs off. And then it seems like I just go back in and like hit the pause button and we're right back in the dream again. So that's crazy. Yeah. That that's happened to me as well. And these night terrors too, especially when I was a, a younger kid, I would have a dream and it was a lucid dream in the sense that I knew it was happening and more on that here in a little bit. But I would start doing things in the dream to try to wake myself up out of the dream because hmm. I was scared. So there's different ways to do this. This is documented in the research that we looked at for this episode. You can try in the dream to jump off of a high surface and whenever you near the ground, usually right before you hit the ground, your body, body suddenly just jerks awake. I've done that before. Hmm. That's happened in, in a few dreams wow. I've had. And uh, one other thing that I've tried to do is just sort of start shouting in the dream. I just start yelling. Now, <laughs> hey, Macarena. <laughs> yeah. so, so in the dream, it's it's a very manly yell. You know, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just kind of uh, from the gut, right. you know. Um, but that's not how it translates into the real world. <laughs> As my wife has, has told me on occasion, <laughs> what are you whimpering what about over there? What is going on? What is going on? But uh, yeah, so she'll she'll just sort of start nudging me with her elbow if this ever happens, and it's it's happened since oh, I've been an Lord. adult several times. And uh, again, in my dream, I'm just shouting and going on, you know, very very manly shouts. But when she wakes me up, apparently I'm making like you said, like this whimpering squilling noise, and. Uh, she, you know, I scare her to death half the time, you know, but apparently this is attributed to night terrors. So wow. there, there's a name for the fear, apparently. So Jason, we've talked a lot about lucid dreaming, but what is lucid dreaming exactly? Shannon, have you ever had a dream that just seemed so real? I've been there. Yeah. Okay. That's a little bit about what lucid dreaming is, but it's also being able to understand that, that you are in a dream, right? Right. Like what you just mentioned earlier, that, that this dream is actually occurring. So uh, have you ever been kind of like uh, aware that you are dreaming? I know you mentioned it earlier. Like, does that happen very often that you, you actually understand that you're experiencing a dream, even though you're scared? It's not really much in adulthood, but when I was a kid, that happened all the time. All the time. I could, yeah. And usually it wouldn't be from the onset of the dream. Something would just happen happened to trigger me and I would realize, oh, this couldn't really happen. This must be a dream. I'm in a dream, right? Yeah. Well, these are called lucid dreams or, or lucid dreaming. And like we mentioned, 
lucid dreaming occurs when the dreamer is aware they are dreaming and can consciously control the dream. Also, lucid dreaming has been described as dreams that just seem more real than others somehow. Yeah. I don't think I can ever recall like being aware that I'm in a dream. I don't think I can actually remember that, but I do remember like dr- certain dreams that just seem so real, and they're not necessarily nightmares all the time. It could just be something crazy, like right. you know, maybe I I dreamed that I was a willow tree in a you know out in a field somewhere or whatever, you know. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be anything scary, but just uh, at at times some dreams just seem much more real than others, and I think that's yeah. also a characteristic of of what's called lucid dreaming right and when i was younger i could whenever i realized i was dreaming i could literally affect the dream if i wanted to fly i could just take off start flapping my arms and and fly and the interesting thing about lucid dreaming is there's a whole community around this there are people who study this obviously but there's also different things you can do to encourage yourself to lucid dream so there are people who do this every night as a form of escapism. They can influence themselves uh, in the earlier parts of the day in such a way that when they go to sleep, they start lucid dreaming. They know they're in a dream. Their dreams are much more vivid. They're much more realistic. And they can impact that dream state. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can ever, I ever recall having the ability to do that. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like once I was sort of trapped in a nightmare, I was just in a nightmare. You're I, just there. I had no control. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life. <laughs> yeah, for, Freddy's coming to get me. Right. Know? But with the lucid dreaming, uh, you know, it's been mentioned that one of the one of the techniques that has been explored is if you wake up from a dream where you did dream lucidly, that you start journaling about that and you write about that, and somehow over time that starts to rewire your brain to where your brain expects to be waking up from a lucid dream and writing about it. And when you do that, somehow that triggers your subconscious within the dream itself. And when you get in there, you're able to realize you're in the dream and start affecting things. You know, If you want to go to Hogwarts that day, hey, you can do that. <laughs> if you want to fight from Middle Earth, it's possible. Hopefully tonight I will have my first ever lucid dream. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. You know, another thing they mentioned is just as you're getting ready to go to sleep to think about lucid dreaming. Think think about the fact that, okay, when I fall asleep, I'm not really going to be in real life. I'm going to be in a dream state and I can impact that. So it's sort of, again, it's just sort of rewiring your brain hmm. in order to do this almost magical that's, that's fascinating. thing. So throughout our discussions, I think we can agree sleep is important. Absolutely. We, we need to get sleep. I love it. <laughs> and there are some negative consequences for not getting enough sleep. We call this sleep deprivation. Jason, have you ever experienced what might be considered <laughs> sleep deprivation? I, I think I have. I remember driving to the university when I was in college doing my undergrad, and I had set up all night uh, preparing actually for for two final exams. Literally did not get one second of, of sleep. I remember <laughs> oh, no. being in my parents' living room floor, had the, had the notes out, had the book out, all that type of stuff, studied all night, took a shower, got ready, left, and I was driving to campus, and I got on a straight stretch. It's a very curvy road, uh, or at least it used to be, where I had to drive from home to, to the campus, and there was a, uh, a straight stretch for maybe a half a mile. And when I got to the straight stretch, I thought this would be a great time for me to, you know, again, quote unquote, rest my eyes, right? Because my eyes were on fire. <laughs> While you're driving. While I'm driving. Oh, yeah. Man, now, I'm, I'm, guy. I, I'm admitting this. So I closed my eyes just for a second. And it couldn't have been more than two seconds because then I heard the on the side of the road. Right? strips. Yeah. yeah. So I wake up. But I kid you not, Shannon, within two seconds, I was dreaming that I was playing the piano within two seconds. And when the rumble strip noise 
shook me awake. I had my right hand in the air playing on the uh, the, the keys. <laughs> oh my God. And so I think I experienced sleep deprivation. I literally just turned around and went home. And I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself today right <laughs> doing this, and so I came back the next day and asked for forgiveness and took the final like the next day. But oh, no. but literally I was just in no condition to to perform that. So yes, I think I have uh, experienced sleep deprivation. There's something about college and driving to college that triggers sleep deprivation. <laughs> the the effects of sleep it deprivation. Did for me. Um, I, I've done that before too, and it was usually on a Sunday night when I'm driving back to college, and I'm driving late because I was uh, with my now wife, then girlfriend, hanging out because we only got to you know hang out on the weekend. So I was driving back late, nine, ten o'clock at night, an hour and a half drive right. down to college. It was like you said, a straight stretch. It'd be dark outside, and man, I had to do everything I could to stay awake. I never did actually start playing the piano. <laughs> But I, I did have some strategies. I, I would try to chew gum first. I always had a, a door full of just gum, you know, that I could throw in. Um, and then if it was like a cooler night, I'd roll the window down. Oh, yeah. And just let the cold air blast in. That was <laughs> Take miserable. you away. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then the last strategy is I would literally reach down and, and start plucking the hairs on my legs. <laughs> it's, it's terrible, man. You were sleepy. But it was it was that or I was going to be playing uh, Fur Elise you know, right into a tree. <laughs> it wasn't looking good. I think uh, the day I had my dream, I was about halfway through, at least in my mind, I was about halfway through uh, Piano Man by Billy Joel. Okay. <laughs> so, we, you know, we're talking about sleep deprivation. Obviously, it occurs when an individual fails to get enough sleep. <laughs> the amount of sleep needed for any given person varies. But on average, most adults need about seven to eight hours of sleep each night to feel alert and well-rested. Teens need an average of about nine hours of sleep per night. I wouldn't have thought that because as a teen, I don't know if I ever got nine hours of sleep on on the regular. Right. You know, from time to time, obviously I'd sleep in on the weekends, but I always felt like, especially when it was like during the school week, I just had a hard time falling asleep real early. Yeah. Uh, I have a teenage daughter right now and, you know, during the regular school day, school hour type thing you know, during the school year, she, she probably gets seven to eight hours you know on average yeah uh, but here lately you know when school's out like during the summer and those type of things oh she can she could go 12 15 hours with no problem and that's my daughters now they're three and under but children under five need about 12 to 13 hours of sleep each night right teenagers not so much <laughs> <laughs> right she just likes sleep bless her heart <laughs> so what happens if a person experiences sleep deprivation well the primary effect of sleep deprivation <laughs> is excessive daytime sleepiness you're, you're tired you're sleepy right i didn't get sleep therefore i'm sleepy uh, a sleep deprived person is likely to fall asleep when forced to sit still in a quiet or monotonous situation such as during a meeting or during class so jason unless you plead the fifth have you ever fallen asleep like in class or in a meeting uh yeah <laughs> yeah just, just tell the truth i'm man. not i'm not gonna lie about that yeah uh probably once or twice with my eyes still open yep <laughs> i mean i was i was gone right i mean i was checked out but my eyes were still open i never tried to like just do the you know i'm gonna pull my hoodie up and just cover and just you know put Lay my head, head down. down yeah because that was just so disrespectful especially in a meeting so yeah <laughs> Yeah, first mistake maybe I'm wearing a hoodie, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would try to like to rub my eyes and and try to and try to be respectful. But man, sure. I would I was battling those eyelids. <laughs> it was awful. 
you'd just be kind of sitting there staring at the the blackboard and all of a sudden your hand would start rising up to to hit a c chord Play me a song tonight <laughs> so we've all experienced minor sleep deprivation i think that's fair to say that can yeah. happen after one night of losing sleep oh but yeah what what is to be said about extreme sleep deprivation well dr stephen Fiend Silver, the director of the Center for Sleep Medicine <laughs> at Econ School of Medicine, said this, quote, If a person is deprived of sleep, it can lead to tremendous emotional problems. Sleep deprivation has been used as a form of torture, end quote. And I believe it has. I can see that. <laughs> I've actually heard that. Oh, really? Know, yeah, I've, I've actually heard that. And I know that there are some movies where they will actually train uh, military folks uh, sometimes using some of those methods where like they'll turn, uh, you know, that, well, first of all, they will deprive them of sleep. Like, so they've been up for like 24 hours, 36 hours. They'll turn, they'll put them in a room. They'll turn, uh, you know, classical music on, you know, they'll, they'll turn the heat up, try to put them to sleep, try to put them and they have to maintain and they'll give them like some kind of like mental activity to do when they're working on no sleep for like a day, day and a half. It's 82 degrees in the room. You said training, not torture. Right. <laughs> right. That's, okay. tra- that's training. That's training as, I don't as, know what as the they call it. Like. Torture, we won't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the effects of sleep deprivation include the skewing of your emotions and your ability to read other people's faces. <laughs> it's more difficult for a sleep deprived person to detect whether someone else is happy, sad, indifferent. In fact, you tend to perceive that person more negatively if they're smiling at you you tend to think oh they're being indifferent toward me if you're sleep deprived huh. uh, if they're actually frowning at you you must think they're on the verge of killing you like they're just <laughs> right. ready to reach out and take you by the throat um, uh, other effects include micro sleep which i think is what you were describing earlier where you sort of fall asleep with your eyes open <laughs> yeah. yeah i've done that <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a mini snooze session which can last up to 30 seconds or or sometimes more if you actually fall into a full sleep some people's eyes remain open during the micro sleep as you said but they are essentially blind because your your yeah. brain is not correctly processing my youngest daughter uh doesn't do this really anymore but when she was younger when she was like four or five six years old that's freaky she would be totally asleep i mean we were like doing funny things in front of her and like moving her hand in front (laughs) with her eyes open nothing absolutely i mean like her eyes were were probably three-fourths open just a dead blank stare and yeah that was creepy i've seen people fall asleep with their eyes partially closed partially open and you talked about the rapid eye movement you can actually see their eyes just going like a (laughs) a, you know tick tock tick tock left right left like in a cartoon that actually happens and you can see it too when their eyes are closed have you ever looked at somebody who's asleep and just their eyelids just seeing their their eyes going back and forth uh but yeah man sleep deprivation is is a serious thing it can also lead to delirium which is where you you kind of have confused thinking reduced awareness of the environment your speech patterns can change you can enter into hallucinations it's a big deal so you might ask yourself something I asked and had to look up because I wasn't sure. Can you die from sleep deprivation? Is that possible? I know the answer, sort of, kind of. <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say yeah. Okay. That's my guess. I don't know. Good guess. Medical researchers were able to kill rats by using sleep deprivation. <laughs> now, that's that 
That sounds kind of extreme. <laughs> That's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. So, however, it's a little bit more difficult to know for sure if humans can die from sleep deprivation. For one, it's completely unethical <laughs> right. to, to try to try to push someone I to would, that limit. I would imagine they had a little difficult time maybe uh, getting waivers back on that one. <laughs> yeah, so nobody wanted to approve that study. <laughs> no. uh, and also, the, the biggest conflicting factor there the thing that's going to prevent you from figuring out if people can die from sleep deprivation is that they're probably going to fall asleep before they die and that's going to lead to getting more rest becoming more alert and it's going to run counter to them being sleep deprived right there's been some claims from folks in other countries that they have died from sleep deprivation there was one man who it was claimed he stayed awake for i think 11 days and at oh the end of those gosh. 11 days, he died. But some researchers have cited that as proof that, yes, you can die from sleep deprivation. Others have said there were other complicating factors, such as I think he had heart disease and some other things that could have contributed to that death that wouldn't have ordinarily occurred in other people. But yeah, man, it's it's a big deal. Well, I will see your sleep deprivation and I will raise you a narcolepsy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so narcolepsy is a long-term neurological disorder that involves a decreased ability to regulate sleep-wake cycles. Unfortunately, people who suffer from narcolepsy uh, do so for years at a time. It's typically not just a something that comes on for a week or so. I mean, that's more of like sleep deprivation. Right. Uh, narcolepsy. You kind of overcome it, but this kind of sticks with you. Narcolepsy kind of sticks with you for a while, uh, potentially in, in some cases your entire life. Um there is not a definitive cause of narcolepsy, but in about 10% of the cases, it seems to be uh, hereditary. And it could also be caused by low levels of a neuropeptide called orexin. Huh. Orexin. So uh, have you ever known anyone that suffered from, from narcolepsy? I don't think I, I, don't think I do. I, I don't think I've ever known anyone personally. Right. Who suffer from narcolepsy. Right. And so, you know, narcolepsy, basically, uh, you know, one characteristic of it is that you just fall asleep constantly. Like, I mean, you, you could be totally awake, like, hey, I'm doing a podcast, mm -hmm. and, and then I just fall over. And you just fall asleep. Yeah, just like instantly. Like, there, there's no, like, gradual, it's like you're just, it's almost, almost instantly. And it really doesn't even matter how much rest that you get. Like, you could get your normal seven to eight, and maybe even nine hours a, a night, uh, but you're just... People who suffer from narcolepsy just fall asleep all the time. Huh. So obviously that has social implications, but what does that have for like driving and things? I assume you, you just can't, right? Well, you know, that's the, I, I don't actually know. I mean, uh, I guess I'm assuming people that maybe suffer from narcolepsy that maybe some people suffer from it, but maybe he's not necessarily been diagnosed with it. Like maybe mm -hmm. they don't know what they have, but I'm not quite sure if you actually get diagnosed with that, if maybe if they would take your driver's your license or, from, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. That, that's kind of wild. So I wonder too, if they get the full benefit of sleep when they're in that state, is it something where they actually go through the different, you know, the different cycles right. of sleep? Do they enter into REM? Do they or dream? Maybe, or maybe do they wake up like every yeah. 15 or 20 minutes or so? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah. So one thing to know about each person uh, is that everybody sort of has a biological clock. Right. Right. And I've said that my whole life. Oh, my biological clock is you know, telling me I need to eat or right. I need to sleep or whatever the case may be. In scientific terms, this biological clock is called your circadian rhythm. 
Have you ever heard of that? Absolutely, yep. Yeah. So if you've ever noticed that you tend to feel energized or drowsy around the same times every day, which is me, that's your circadian rhythm working. Every person has a 24-hour internal clock that is running in the background of their minds and cycles between sleepiness and alertness at regular intervals. Circadian means about a day. So that's where we get the 24-hour terminology. The biggest dip in energy for people is usually between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock a.m. That's when we're feeling the most sleepy, the the less energized. And fortunately for most people, that's when they're actually asleep. Right. It's a a good thing. Works out. It's a good time to be tired around 2 or 4. And I've noticed that if, you know, if there's ever been a time that I needed to stay up later, like, like I'm like you and I'm cramming for a final exam. Not that I ever did that, but if, if I did or, <laughs> right. or someone, you know, did that usually around two o'clock is where I do start to crash a little bit. And that's because my circadian rhythm is saying, that's Hey enough. buddy, it's, yeah. it's time for bed. What, what, what are you doing? The second time that energy typically dips for most people is between one o'clock and three o'clock PM, sometimes called the after lunch crash. You ever experienced that where you just kind of eat lunch, you go back to your desk if you're at work, and all of a sudden you just get really tired. You just yeah. want to take a nap. Uh, not very often, but but occasionally. Yeah. yeah, I find that it doesn't happen for me as often if I'm engaged in a heavy project, something to work on. But if it's a little bit of a slower day, or you know, it's the weekend and we've just eaten a big lunch, depending on what the lunch is, and I'm driving down that narrow strip of road, right? <laughs> I, I do tend to get a little sleepy between yeah. one and three o'clock. So. What is responsible for the circadian rhythm? Well, it's controlled by the hypothalamus, which is a portion of your brain. When it's dark outside, your eyes send a signal to the hypothalamus that it's time to feel tired. So there's actually a cue that is received by your brain whenever it gets dark outside. And you can use this to your advantage, too. Have you ever heard of a blackout curtain? Yep, absolutely. So some people who have trouble sleeping, uh, when, especially after daylight savings time, when it's a little bit brighter outside, especially if you're laying down a little bit earlier, around 9 o'clock or something, um, it, it's still daylight. So your brain doesn't know to shut down. So some people use blackout curtains and that triggers the part of your brain that tells you, hey, it's time to go to sleep because it's dark outside. And the opposite's also true. When it's light outside, your eyes signal the hypothalamus that it's time to wake up and feel alert. So we're all on this internal clock and it sort of dictates how our days go. So Jason, interesting discussion. Sleep. It's important, apparently. It's important and I'm a big fan. Yeah. I like to get as much sleep as my daughters will allow. (laughs) I don't know if I've mentioned this, but uh, they don't let me get a whole lot of sleep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Now, my daughters, on the other hand, will. Like, we have to come in and, like, you know, put a mirror under Kennedy's nose to make sure she's still, (laughs) you know, she's still with, like, 15 hours. Like, yeah, I'm good, Dad. She fogs it up. You just keep on sleeping. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. So, Jason, do you have anything else to mention on the science of sleep? Yeah, I'd like to give a a shout-out to my Uncle Dester. Uh, Probably uh, he is driving back home to Atlanta right now, early of a morning, uh, at the time that this podcast is going to be released least okay so uh, i hope that this helps him not fall asleep yeah keeps him awake gives <laughs> that's him a right. lot to think about that's right so uh in honor of him uh, safe travels and go cats good deal thanks to all of our listeners who are joining us each week we encourage you to follow us on social media you can reach us on facebook twitter and instagram with the handle at slapdash pod we release weekly episodes in history art science and everything else we'll see you in the next episode go take a nap oh, sh-